Welcome to the Rah Rah Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. We've always got so much in store in terms of business, life, community, encouragement, education, inspiration, all of the things. I'm really happy you're here. This week, we're talking with Lisa Denon-Young. Lisa supports women in coming out of hiding and finding their powerhouse leadership with ease, flow, and fun. That's one thing. She's amazing. She does a lot. And let me just tell you, her resume is incredible. Lisa was the first woman of color to graduate as a forensic linguist in the United States. Not to mention that she trained with the FBI linguist who broke the Unabomber case of the 1990s. She's brilliant. She's incredible. She's a huge inspiration. And I'm so excited that you're here for our conversation. Hey, Raraz. I'm super excited to have Lisa Denon Young here. I'm not sure that there is a person with a more impressive resume <laughs> that I know. And there's many things that, many accomplishments and wonderful things to say about Lisa, but I I will just say on a personal level, Lisa, you are one of the women that I admire most. And I just absolutely love what you stand for and who you are and the way you show up. And I'm really happy to have you here. And I'm excited to talk about the new program and leadership and what that is um, looking like for you and your business. Thank you so much. That's as every time we do anything together, I just feel warm and tingly. <laughs> There's just understanding between us. And I also deeply appreciate how much you understand that right now, and we've connected on this so many times, the way I see it right now, there's a crisis of leadership that understands how to bridge the many divides and gaps that as of June, we've collectively in the world become so acutely aware of. And I love that you're hosting a leadership circle as well. I think the fundamental understanding of what it means to be a leader and how to be in leadership is changing Mm -hmm. and it needs to change. And I think this is the perfect time for us collectively to understand and redefine personally for ourselves what that leadership looks like. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And I do love that we've been having these conversations for a very long time together. I think we talked a lot about this leading up to the first love spell retreat that we did together. And it's one of those things, right, where threads of understanding have been coming together for a long time. And the time is now. I feel so much like the time is now. We're not, we can't sit back. And our systems are not working. The people in power are fucking us, you know? And it's time for us people who have more of the more of a, a lens that lends itself to equality. It's time for us to step into our our leadership capacity. And I can't wait for you to talk about your program. (laughs) Thank you. To that, I want to say, so if you follow me on my personal page, if you've seen a video shared since, I guess, last, excuse me, the the calendar is all over the place in my mind. (laughs) (laughs) The last few weeks, I have been sharing, um, going live on Facebook a lot, sharing ample resources and videos 
many know me as a linguist and they know me as someone who, you know, I have my Facebook group, Epically Expressed Women Leaders. So people know me around amplifying voice and just being the biggest, boldest version of yourself. A lot of people don't know that I used to be an educator around inclusion, equity, justice, and diversity. So <laughs> it's interesting because there's this, been this huge influx of people, of course, interested based on the videos I've done around anti-racist education. And I, I feel there's a part of me that feels like I almost not left my business behind, but that people didn't don't realize that the leadership and expression, unique expression in leadership is actually my focus. And I think this is so important to understand the bridge because any type of leadership, when you are looking at, okay, what is the leadership that I'm called to serve in? What's really clear, thankfully, right now, as a result of this movement, is that your leadership must include an understanding of systemic oppression, an understanding of the system. Because especially as transformational agents, as leaders, we cannot lead people inside of the system if we don't understand the system. And that's why I'm so grateful that this movement has brought that awareness to our attention. The other thing I really love about seeing people wanting to be in allyship and people being called out, called in, whatever phrase you use for that, is that it's, and this is what Jen, you and I have spoken to so much, leadership that embraces the humanity, that embraces the non-perfectionistic <laughs> perfection that we uniquely are. And that means, thankfully, normalizing the idea that we can be wrong. <laughs> There's no perfect, in the perfectionistic sense, perfect way to do it. There's no perfect way to be. Um, and frankly, for me, even for me personally, when I want to show up as an ally for someone and then I get called out on how I'm doing it, I think, thank you for the gift. Now I get to know how to show up for you better. Wow. Now I can show up as a leader even more in that capacity that I was intending to do. And I think, or I've found that people feel really scared or timid about how to say or how to show up when they want to be an ally and they want to be active and proactive in their allyship and their accompliceship and their co-conspiratorship. There are lots of terms, <laughs> but in the way that you support and understand the marginalized communities or individuals that you work with. And the bigger picture I see of this, we didn't talk about this, but this has been ruminating on my mind since yesterday, Jen. I'd love your, your weigh in on it. I feel like the normalization of the call out, call in actually also leads to the ability to normalize this within our relationships with each other, mm. not tied to race in the system, just like <laughs> normalizing the ability to, to say what's, what's true for you with a girlfriend who keeps going through the same cycles of relationship or, you know, someone who you see, who you love and you want to say it, but there's never been a normalization of that much truth telling. I feel like there's this opportunity to be that much more of a truth teller because of the way that call in and call outs and people telling it like it is and all of that around race right now and systemic oppression. I, I feel like there's a fundamental shift in how much more we can tell the truth and how much more acceptable it is on a, on a collective 
scale to be able to do that. And that gives me so much hope. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that perspective. And I think that it's really needed. I think it, I think part of what, and I, I talk a lot about this, about shifting from hierarchical systems of leadership, that top down kind of like, I'm the boss and you don't get to question me thing. That's, that's part of that shift into more of a shoulder to shoulder, recognizing the humanity of the people we're leading with. I love it when you snap. <laughs> if I talk and Lisa Denning Young snaps, I must be doing something good. <laughs> I'm just going to keep snapping. I agree. <laughs> but, but that's, it's a fundamental shift where if we're leading from a place of like, how dare you question me? That's dictatorship. That isn't, that isn't leadership. And I think that the, the toxic models that we've had in place for so long, the toxic models that I grew up with, with okay. a, you know, abusive prison guard stepfather, that was the system in my household. So like, there's, you know, there's a lot of reasons why I'm passionate about this kind of um, remodeling because you see it in the microcosm, you see it in interpersonal relationships, and then you see it in the larger systems at play in our societies. And we only change it by taking steps, modeling it, being vulnerable in our leadership. And it's not about like, being willing to fuck up in like a sloppy way, but like we're going to show up in integrity and we're going to do our best. And when we inevitably do fuck up because we all have blind spots, exactly what you said, thank you for telling me. Thank you for telling me what you need from me. And it's the same if you're raising children, if you're, you know, coaching people through personal transformation or um, business or whatever it is, your, your words matter and and being silenced doesn't feel good i've been booted and silenced and canceled um for saying things too and and that has never felt good to me yeah yeah i love i love that perspective and i think you're so right about the micro and the macro and seeing it in both places and just fundamentally shifting the whole the whole uh system yeah totally i i really appreciate you naming the the gift element of it to the thank you part because another aspect i don't think people realize is oh i can feel it in me as i'm thinking about it it is so it takes so much courage to be the person especially when there's already perceived power dynamic right when there's someone's known as the leader or they're the founder of the group or they're the the parent or whichever circumstance. There's an inherent power dynamic there. And so to be the person that carries an oppressed, marginalized identity in some form, it's already a huge hurdle to overcome to even say a thing, to say it. The very first live I did specifically on this topic in June on my page, and actually maybe I shared it in here, I can't remember, green shirt. Anyway, <laughs> I started off by sharing how uncomfortable it is to talk for me as a as a former educator, <laughs> exclusively educator on this, as a woman of color, as a black woman. It's really, really, really not easy to talk about. It's not easy for anyone to talk about. So the discomfort that you might feel from whatever position or place you're in is, and this is part of the the beauty, Jennifer, that we always talk about around. I just called you Jennifer. I'm like, no. I was, I was like. Oh. 
That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> I just call her Jennifer. Good. <laughs> There's something there. There's something I don't know. Um, now I'm like, where was I going with that? I got really distracted by saying your full name. I mean, I know you've talked to my ancestors. There's probably one of them like, listen, Jennifer. That's probable. Um, oh, that's so funny. Um, so I'm like, what was that? Generally, I was saying, understanding that it's really, really difficult for all of us. And that this is the opportunity, this is the piece when we talk about being able to be shoulder to shoulder, the things that are bridging the the gaps. This is the fundamental connection here. It's difficult and uncomfortable for all of us. And this is why you see such, such big reactions and big emotions on every side. And I'm not going to say that there are two sides on every infinite number of sides the number of people that there are experiencing this that's the number of reactions and responses that are happening and i think it's knowing that is also an opportunity for us to say hey this is something we share this is this is not comfortable when i spoke with um, i did a live in epically expressed women leaders i think the day after i did that first video to name that as women who identify as leaders, self-selecting leaders, we must always be in discomfort if we're going to expand. Mm -hmm. Our commitment to leadership means that discomfort is a part of, of it's a part of it. <laughs> you know, just like the, the joys and feeling of being able to lead someone to transformation or to have a community and feel really connected and that sense of belonging just like that's a part of it, the discomfort's a part of it too. And I recently did a module for my clients on boundaries, talking about um, safety and discomfort. And when we can find our own place of safety, knowing that we're safe, even when it's uncomfortable and knowing the difference between I'm in imminent danger and this is just uncomfortable, so my body's reacting to the discomfort. When we can understand that difference, I think it becomes easier for ourselves personally to to engage and to be able to show up in that that leadership, whatever the leadership is you define for yourself. Yeah. Yes to all of that. I also want to go a little bit deeper into the specifics around love it. Around what we I think as leaders want to expect of ourselves and how we can hold leaders accountable mm. for um, specifically around issues of anti-racism, issues of inclusion around sexual identity, um, gender identity, all of these things. Because there's something too about deciding where we're going to draw the line and what we just absolutely will not harbor. I, and I love what you said about you're, and you're so right about just the knowing the difference between I'm uncomfortable and I'm in imminent danger and and starting to really find some self-mastery in that. Like I can in an uncomfortable conversation, it can feel, um, you know, and there's all kinds of tools, everything from non-defensive communication to like literally educating yourself enough to and I don't mean you specifically, I mean, like the collective yourself enough to know how to handle uncomfortable situations and the content within them. But yeah, I, I kind of want to like go a little bit deeper and talk specifically about 
leadership and what we what we have every right to expect and like also where we get to draw the line and and also just giving people permission to draw the line and know that we don't have to harbor bullshit like we just don't yes so well said as soon as you said i want to go i was like she's gonna say it deeper <laughs> let's go <laughs> um so yeah thanks for bringing this up um so i want to start more micro and go to macro from my perspective, I shared this on one of my videos. I can't remember which one, maybe pink shirt, I think. Um, and you're designating my outfit. <laughs> just find the color, go by color. There are so many at this point. I'm like, ah, I'll just wear a different color each time. Um, but yeah, the when it comes to you as a buyer um, that's going to work with a transformational agent or a coach, um, when it comes to you as someone who is looking to another leader or to a mentor, to a guide, to a role model, to someone on the internet, whatever, um, being able to create for yourself the boundaries and the expectations you have of that leader. And then especially if you're if you're thinking about investing money with a transformational agent, with a coach, with someone in that capacity, vet them. You can ask. And I learned this the hard way because I've experienced harm from not asking. And so now when I work with someone, I want to know what work have you done around anti-racism, inclusion, equity, justice, whatever, insert your word there. What do you do with the money you receive? How do you reinvest that into communities? How do you uplift the voices of marginalized identity individuals in your community or in your, of the people that you work with? Yeah. And it's, it's basically being able to understand their values and if there's alignment with your own, right? And so this is my advice on the personal level. Um, and of course, if you're hearing this and you're like, oh, shoot, that's also an opportunity for you. <laughs> you know, if, if something feels out of alignment in terms of, you know that you have values around this, but your actions or your business systems aren't set up that way, there's an opportunity for you to create them or to recreate them, redesign them. The beauty about understanding ourselves and understanding our boundaries is that we can always shift as we need. And as we're on our personal journeys and developing self-mastery, our boundaries do shift. Our expectations do shift because they need to match where we are. So like, what, two years ago, I wasn't asking, I wasn't vetting coaches that I invest with in this way. Now, you better believe, I think I've been doing it for the last year. <laughs> that, is, that is one of my questions I will ask. And it's surely not what anyone teaches to do on the sales call, right? So this is a question I need to come, that I'm very clear I need to come with. And that's okay. That's, that's great. It's important that your needs get met. And that, and that starts with understanding what your needs are and what your values are there. Um, I teach what I call the Epic Expression Framework. So each letter stands for, um, so E is for expansion, P is for pleasure, I is integration. Um, and it's these last two I want to highlight. So in your integrated identity, when you are literally integrating more parts of yourself and understanding more of who you are, you can understand more of what those values are that you, that you need to stand by that are true to you when you're being in full integrity. And then what C stands for is congruence. And that is, how do you express yourself as a leader in alignment congruently with those values? And also in doing so, 
because the other fun part about understanding our own boundaries is that we respect others' boundaries more too. Absolutely. Um, in doing so, where where do we then align with the leaders that we're called to in terms of those who support us, um, or the leaders that we're called to in the in the collective that are doing good things, which you gotta look through to find them these days. <laughs> which then leads me to the macro part. And and I stand by this this phrase. I say that there is a crisis of leadership that understands the system and understands how systemic oppression actually affects their community, their country, their whatever entity they're leading. Mm-hmm. It's really easy, so easy, especially when you have so much power and money and resources invested in you. It's so easy to actually ask <laughs> to gather people. You're the people whose voices aren't being heard, the most marginalized groups, based on all of the demographics that, that Jen listed and that that literally just exist, and to be able to listen. Such an important quality of a leader isn't just that they're a visionary who sees a path and, and if go get and go gets it, but that they can gather their people around that vision and understand if it's working for them and how it's working for them. That requires, by default, requires them and us as leaders to have the ability to listen and have the ability to, again, try to be within an integrity as much as possible. And when we learn that our integrity isn't working, <laughs> then to shift and, and to change and to, to redirect within the understanding of here's the bigger vision. And I think that's something we can absolutely expect of our leaders. Yeah, of, of literally gathering people, <laughs> listening, and taking action. It's, it's, man, you know, the human brain likes to make things complicated. And sometimes it's actually simple. Right. <laughs> it's actually simple. And this is also why they have the hashtag. I did a video on this yesterday. Um, the hashtag Amplify Melanated Voices. Someone tagged me in a post yesterday and asked, like, why is this a thing? <laughs> why do they do that? And it was a black woman. It wasn't like I'm, you know, against it. I'm just they were just genuinely curious, like, how did this come to be? Yeah. Lisa, can yeah. you elaborate or elucidate well, over? Yeah. I'd love to hear what you said. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's it's really simple. It's it's the same thing that we're talking about in terms of when you are a leader, when you care even if you don't identify as a leader and you're just in a community and you care about people in that community or the example we've given around kids you care about your child i think kids is easy to go to because people are like oh like like, there's instinct like we're supposed to care for the kids when you care about someone you want to support them you want to know how they're doing you want to hear what they have to say and listen to it and do what you can to be in support that's that is natural. That is something that comes to us when we care about someone. And it's also something we expect from others when we know that they care about us and being able to tell them or show them like, Hey, this is how I need to be cared for. And so right now there's this amplified melanated voices because there's a large subset section of the global population that is, and it's, yeah, it's black people. And it's also people of color too, because Black people, again, is often something projected because of the one drop rule, which I explained in blue shirt video on my page. Maybe I can I'll post it in here. But being able to, to simply listen and to elevate those voices, not because, 
not because it takes away from yours or diminishes your voice, but because it creates an equitable field in your community. It creates it creates the the feeling that you want to have as a leader, that your community is being heard, that the people you care about feel cared about. And it's not a it's not melanated voices all of a sudden winning and you losing. That's literally not possible in the system, PS. <laughs> not the way it's set up right now. Nope. Um, but it's it's literally just collectively for the first time ever giving credence to, giving attention to, and supporting the voices that have not been heard, the voices that have been shut down, the voices whose words have been misconstrued and whitewashed and culturally appropriated and all of these different things. People know that there's value. It's that (laughs) the value has been extracted and made their own. If you think about copyright infringement, if you think about trademark issues, like people get sued for this. <laughs> However, in our system, the systemic oppression that goes on, this is normal, where Black people's hairstyles, dance moves, hello twerking, people's way of talking becomes slang, like the slang in modern standard English down the way. Um, like the contributions that have been made to television and media that haven't been given credit, all of that. So we know that there's value in melanated voices and it's time to let those who are the creators of all of these contributions actually have have their say, have their support, be seen in who they are. It's not an ego thing. It is a humanity thing. It is an, at a fundamental level. We care about you. We value you thing. It's the, the putting the humanity back into it. That's what Amplified Melanated Voices is about. Yeah, I, I have more to say, but I think I'll just share the little video I did yesterday on it. Um, it's short. <laughs> I don't want to take up too much more time because I did say it already. Um, but yeah, if, if you have a question about that, I'm happy to go deeper with someone in here if you have a question. Yeah. Thank you for breaking that down. I also would add that, you know, often the way that the algorithms work, People of color's voices are suppressed. <laughs> Don't get me started on the damn algorithm. <laughs> that there's research, there's ample research on how black voices have been systematically shut down on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, across the board, on YouTube, literally across the board. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that piece to add too, where like allies should be commenting, liking, sharing, etc to boost even in in the algorithm. So yes, everything you said, and then that tech piece, that like um, other piece that matters a lot too. And I like rewind all the way to what you said about um, leadership and what we can expect of our leaders. I also want to say we need to have the same kind of expectations for our clients. Mm -hmm. So so let me also give you an example. <laughs> Go on, girl. So, a couple years ago, I was like kind of piecing together my business and doing several different things, some of which had to do with my other background in, in the events industry. And I never took a lot of weddings every year, but I did take a wedding one year um, from a pretty prominent white woman um, in the coaching space who was a public speaking coach. Mm. And um, we had a whole you know, very uncomfortable background conversation where she acknowledged that her family members 
would be very uncomfortable with anyone who passed or, or, or who was clearly queer or of color. Wow. And, and like, you're talking to me about this, right? And I'm like, Did the person know that when they were talking to you? Yeah, no, they're explaining how like fucked up it is that their family wants this. And so I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, taking this in, we're already in contract. I'm having to, to try to negotiate internally on the spot, like my values, this person's value, their family values. Oh my God, I didn't even think about all of this when I said yes to this person and, and took their money to do work for them, right? To coordinate their wedding, which is outside of what my normal scope of work was, but it was a skill set I had and I was building my business and needed money, right? Yeah, yeah. And then this person posted on their personal profile that they were looking for a straight white wedding officiant. And I instantly, all of a sudden, I'm like getting texts and Facebook messages from people who know me and they're like, what the fuck is your client doing? And so I learned that lesson the very hard way that we also need to vet our clients. Yeah. Well said. I don't want to support people with, with those kinds of blind spots. I don't, I don't want them to hire me and I don't, I don't want to hire them. And so I loved yesterday on um, Rachel Rogers town hall. And I think this was a great point. Erica Hines said, um, she was talking a lot about just making our, our values explicit and explicit to the point where like, there's no question. Yes. Um, and where even she was talking about someone she knew who put a line right before the signature section on their, on their contract about their commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So like before you ever sign a contract with me, um, and I love that idea. And these are these are the the committed shifts I think we all need to make around around drawing the line, around what we just will not harbor and who mm-hmm. we absolutely will not work with and exchange resources with based on whether they, you know, want want to align their values or not. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up. That's such a great point. Um, um, when I talk about epic expression framework and the C standing for congruence mm-hmm. and the, the way I teach it is that when we are so expressed as who we are, inclusive of our values, we won't even attract the people who can't get down. <laughs> there is no racist that wants to work with me. I mean, obviously I look like this. Okay. Um, but this is part of it too, because I used to keep my hair straight and like make myself as white as possible. Um, I used to have a voice that was in a certain way that I can't remember anymore. Um, But I used to do that. And I'm so grateful that this is that this is being discussed in that town hall. That's awesome around being explicit with values. And this is something that doesn't even have to get to the point of contract. This is something that when somebody gets on your social media, gets on your email list, interacts with you in some type of way, they can know this about you because of how you show up. And this is what it means, in my opinion, to be so expressed as yourself. By the way, fun side note that most people don't know. So when I called my Facebook group Epically Expressed, there are two ways to spell epically. And one is the one I have, E-P-I-C-A-L-L-Y, A-L-L-Y. And there's one that's just E-P-I-C-L-Y. And I made it the one that has A-L-L-Y at the end 
because allyship mm-hmm. for me is a part of what it means to be epically expressed mm-hmm. as a leader. And it's part of the leadership that we need, again, going forward in this new paradigm. Mm-hmm. And there are ways to express. I love that simple example you gave about the commitment at the end of the contract. Yeah. And there are ways to express allyship. There are ways to express in your marketing before you even have to get to being excited about taking on a client and then finding out like, oh, shit. <laughs> too. And, and, you know, I think it can be tri- trial and error. Like, I've, I feel like I've also learned in the same way of the story you shared, Jen. Of like, oh, damn, like this is not someone I can get behind. Um, even when I, in my Facebook group, made it really explicit that I changed the women, the E to the X. Um, I was like, hey, this is a trans-inclusive space. If you want to go, go. Like, you're welcome. You know, the invitation was to leave if they couldn't get down. And I made sure that everyone explicitly was down. And people left. Um, my aunt was in the group and she left. I was like, bye, Thea. <laughs> um, but, and then I also had, back to this point around, like, making mistakes, I also had a few people who were already in the group beforehand reach out to me personally and say, hey, thank you for doing that. I wasn't sure if I could be in this group anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I made the big call, I also called myself out. I was like, I use a lot of gendered language that's very like female oriented. Mm-hmm. And so these messages were like, yeah, I, did, I was going to tell you and I didn't know how. Remember, it takes a lot of courage um, to do it. Mm-hmm. I was going to tell you, I didn't know how, so I'm really grateful you did it. So even if you're, if you're right now considering contemplating, feeling something in you that wants to take a stand even more than you already do, and you might feel like, oh, you know, like, does it actually matter? Know that it matters. It's so you will not necessarily hear this from your people beforehand, but when you take that stand, that is when you'll see how much it matters. And it doesn't mean that they need to ex- explicitly send you a message to say something, but it means that they can show up more, that mm-hmm. they can feel more comfortable, that they actually feel like they can be mm-hmm. in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was such a learning lesson or learned, learned lesson for me. Cause I was always like, Hey lady, Hey girl, what's up? Um, and there's so much gendered language in every language. Yeah. And I was, again, I was like, thank you for the gift. I, I kind of realized it enough to make this declaration, but I didn't get the depths until, until the reach out happened. And a lot of times what I see allies, people wanting to be allies that lead community do is they say, the invitation is open. If you'd like to share and I'm going to say personally, and for a lot of people I know as someone who carries oppressed identity, that doesn't feel like a full invitation that, in a lot of senses feels like, oh yeah, like I'm supposed to be an ally and I care. And I, and everyone, you know, we we're in the community because we know that the people who are leaving us care. But what does feel like an invitation is someone making a really strong stance yeah. and standing as uncomfortable as it might be. I expect my leaders to be courageous standing in that value, which of course means you actually have to hold that value strongly enough to do it. Mm-hmm. Like I've sent all kinds of messages to allies who I've seen like go to the mat in some of these toxic Facebook groups or just online. Um, in fact, I sent one right before we got on. It's like, Hey, I see you. Thank you so much. Um, and I don't get to send those messages to everyone, but, but that for me feels like the invitation. The invitation isn't you saying, Hey, Hey, talk to me. Cause then I still have to like overcome all of the, the things. The invitation feels like, Hey, I'm here and I'm doing this. Like, 
okay, you're down. <laughs> now I know you're, now I know you're in it. I know you're my ally. Um, so this is just something to consider for those of you who are, who hold communal spaces as well. Yeah. I love that. Well, and I also want to say when you made that switch in your group and used, you know, women with an X, um, the way that you handled that and the openness and vulnerability and the acknowledgement of you needing to feel like you could really be the appropriate leader for a trans inclusive space. Um, I loved that. And I, and I also feel like just to like further shout out your character, the way that you even handled with me as a super femme, you know, but you know that I'm queer, you know that, yeah, I mean, we've been in circle enough to, for you to even, like you said, hey girl to me, and then turned around and like messaged me two minutes later, like, hey, is that okay? Do you identify with me? And I was like, that's fucking rad. So it meant so much to me, even though the way that I identify is pretty clear, you know, to most people, although I pass as straight and I pass as white. And so my identity is a continuous source of, um, continuous source of like, for me, something I feel like I have to make explicit because it's not made explicit in the way Mm. I I look. Um, And so I just, I appreciated you going the extra mile just to ask if that was really how I identified and if the language you used was okay with me. Um, Mm -hmm. It means so much and you're modeling what it, what it looks like every day to, to ask for allyship and be an ally. And I love that about you. And, and I, I agree that allies saying like some words isn't enough. It really does take action and it takes allies going further um, than the people we're asking to feel safe in our community. Like we need to go the extra mile. We need to do um, the things needed to create the space that invites people forward and it's going to be uncomfortable and it's okay to be vulnerable in that. There are times where I feel too white to say the words that I want to say. And, and I could let that silence me or I could like be bold and, and stand up, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's just a personal decision that you have to make. Yes. Um, when well you're going to choose allyship, you have to choose to do the work. Well said. Yeah. Um, and the people that I've men- mentioned messaging, these are people that I'm seeing take heat. So mm-hmm. I understand, Black people understand that when you take a strong stance, there can and often is pushback. There can be whatever lashing out, whatever people's emotional reactions are to that. Um, and that's like, that's the true ally. Like, that's the feeling. It's like, hey, you're literally in it with me right now. Like, you get the experience that I've internally had my whole life. Like, here you are. Um, and this is kind of a side note, but I also really, I don't know if recommend is the word, but I would love, or I, I love, I guess, when, when people have the experience of being the only inside mm-hmm. of a group. Because when you are the only inside of a very different group, it's just an 
eye-opening experience um, to what it means to truly feel like in the moment that you don't belong, whether it's people speaking a different language. Um, I think more so if people literally don't look like you <laughs> um, and it's like you visibly stand out is when it, when you can really feel it. Cause it's not like you can like kind of hide um, because you're not speaking <laughs> like, no, no, we see you, you stand out like a light bulb or in my case, like a dark bulb. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Um, but that, Having that experience, and I'm not saying like, go find a community to like insert yourself to, um, but there is something to, to be said about understanding what it means to be the only and understanding what it means to, and not that you're oppressed because you're in the only, but understanding what it means to feel like you're that person that's out. And I think a lot of, a lot of us can relate to that in some sense, even if it's not, again, the systemic oppression version of it. Um, just knowing what it feels like to be ostracized in any kind of way. Mm -hmm. And when you remember that feeling, what do you then choose to do and say and how you choose to act as a leader so that no one in your community, none of your clients feel that so that they don't feel ostracized, which takes us back, of course, to the amplifying voices. Yeah. 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 Amplifying voices. And I, and I think it's important to, you know, if, if you have never had those experiences where you feel like the only, right, then you use your empathy and you shut up and listen to people who have, or you put yourself in situations where you are going to experience that. What would it, what would it look like, right? If, like, I think one of the things that shaped my kids and this is not and like me trying to like toot my own horn we first moved to the bay i want to toot your horn <laughs> humility is tired okay we need honest <laughs> truth speak your honest truth if people want to interpret it that way that's their projection Please thank you for that. thank you for that i think there's a couple of experiences as you were talking that came to my mind where i was like these formed my sense of empathy one was being 16 and pregnant in a small town mm. Where, like, I couldn't, you know, you can't, like, get away from your belly. You just have to carry it everywhere, right? Yeah. And, and I was, like, the, like, softball star in the newspaper all the time. Like, everybody knew me. I literally heard that there were, like, showdown conversations about what I should do with my life in the sheriff's office of this small town. Like, the dispatcher and the sheriff were arguing about whether or not I should get married at 16 wow. yeah and so it was just a feeling so like I, I I love this baby already right like I I wanted to keep my baby and he's almost 20 now um but like carrying that knowing that everywhere you go someone's looking at you someone's thinking something something's that was a formative experience for me in my life mm -hmm. and like the only um yeah. and, then, and then I think for my kids when we first moved to the Bay Area we lived in a black neighborhood and they went to a school that was 5% white. And, um, and it brought up a lot of opportunities to talk about, you know, the reality that reverse racism is not a thing. I didn't know that that was a conversation I was going to have to have with my kids, but I'm so glad we had it. I'm glad you did. I hope every parent hears this and goes, Oh, this is a conversation to have. That's awesome. And, and it was, it was uncomfortable at first for them. And then, and then it, it got easier and and then they you know now like 
my kids don't really hang out with that many white people. And I'm proud of that. I'm proud that they've had experiences that help them um, see the world in a way that growing up, you know, if we would have stayed in Chico forever and it's predominantly white, like they wouldn't have had that experience. And so um, it's important, I think, to I think we can we can do a lot of cognitive learning, like we can learn all the stuff, but lived experiences are powerful and so um and powerful for building empathy and i think that um those things are important too yeah well said well said the ability to um and i think this is something that comes up at least for me with my clients around coaching i did a video on this like talking about how when we intellectualize things often we can do it as a means of distancing ourselves from actually having to deal with it like, oh, I understand some of the history. I understand some facts and details and the policies and laws that are keeping systemic oppression in place, for example. Like, okay, cool. Understanding the situation intellectually is one thing, but how is it affecting you on a deeper level? Because what a lot of people don't realize is that it, no matter who you are, this does affect you emotionally. This does affect you more deeply. And the more reaction you feel yourself have to it, the more discomfort that you experience is it's just your body. Your body carries so much wisdom. It's your body alerting you to, hey, there's something to be healed here. Mm-hmm. And there's a beautiful opportunity for all of us, again, no matter what we look like, what demographic we are in mm-hmm. or others project us to be in, that there's a place for us to unearth where the judgment is, where there might be shame or guilt or fear or all of it, and to actually allow ourselves to forgive ourselves and let that be a place for healing so that the actions you take, you can feel more aligned with, you know, and it's not just something that you know here, but it's something that you live and that you do, something you be. Yeah, the the embodiment piece I think this goes back to your your point about congruence, um, which is it's it's actually a question that the mastermind, the Rara mastermind was asking me a few days ago was like, how do we move forward in our businesses and incorporate anti-racism, right? Or how do we incorporate inclusion in general? And and I was like, you guys, it's really about doing the work yourself and building your values into your business and not and just drawing the line and not having any question about whether you're going to, you're going to sway or move. Like we do the work internally and it starts to show up externally and we just have to decide what we are and are not going to harbor and how we're going to implement those values in our business fundamentally. Snapping more. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. And one thing is a lot of people I know who want to, again, want to show up as an ally often think about doing scholarships and reserving scholarships for women of color, for people of color. And while I know that that is so well-intentioned, if you have not done the work to be able to hold space for that, you are causing harm, even in offering a scholarship. Because if you do not have the capacity, if you have not done the work to hold space for it, yeah, cool. Maybe they, they didn't spend money, but they're going to have the emotional experience that is harmful. Yeah. And yeah. so this is why and there are so many different ways to do it. 
This isn't to judge you if you haven't done your work yet. This is a call for you to do the work. And in the meantime, to know that there are places, there are ways to be supportive, whether it's, and we mentioned the, the new program, whether it's funding someone who, who can do the work, someone who is in the work, whether it's funding someone to have an experience in a different program, there, there are others, but these are the two that are just top of mind because of our discussion. There are ways to be an ally, to be in support and service, to build this into your business without being harmful and without trying to require more of yourself than you're than you have the capacity for right now it is okay to be wherever you are right now and you can still show up as an ally wherever you are right now mm -hmm. there are so many ways to show up and to amplify voices and to be supportive you're watching this video you're hearing our voices you have a voice. Like <laughs> You already have a sphere of influence. You already have inherent power, probably more than you realize. And it's so easy to make the choice to use any of that and to do it in a way that's listening to what people need and supporting there. Yeah. And I, and I love the reminder that just like admitting someone to your program um, isn't enough if they're going to be harmed when they get there. Um, yeah. I had a really good conversation with Alexis Douglas yesterday about just, and we just touched on this a little bit, but around the harm of spiritual bypassing, mm -hmm. right? especially like in the spiritual coaching community of which I definitely identify, right? Like I'm totally a spiritual person and I'm a coach and I'm primarily a business coach, but you know, my leadership program is all about, you know, ritual and connection and the earth and the cycles and the seasons and the people. And if we're telling people like, oh, it should just be easier. Oh, it should just like, what's, what fucking background are you coming from? Like, but it, it looks so different from, you know, a white person who starts up here and, you know, a person of color who might be starting down here or even a person of color who has financial means still has different hurdles and things that they have to deal with. Yes. And it's just not, we don't get to, and, and this is the thing is like, we don't get to treat our lived experience. Like it gets to be the framework for everyone else's lived experience. So oh, it, yes, <laughs> thank you. Using our experiences on other people as though they're the norm. It's not the fucking norm. And if you can't make space for other people's experiences and you, you know, you walk around like, talking about manifestation and blah, 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 and money mindset, and it should just be easy. And it's been easy for you because you grew up with like very few hurdles to jump. Check yourself, you know? Exactly. So I think it, I think it's a really important thing that you said. Yeah. I love, I love hearing all of your passion just then. Exactly. <laughs> and it's the passion of someone who gets it because they've lived it. So there's that acknowledging. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is why as well, I, that I did not, and I think we talked about this at one point, in terms of my changing the Epically Expressed Women Leaders to specifically also be a space for trans women. I did not make that decision until I knew I could hold capacity. I could hold space for it. Right. Absolutely. I didn't think I could hold space for it even 48 hours before I did it. I was deliberating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and as soon as I knew I could... Mm -hmm. Boom, I made the, the change. So yeah. this is to say that you can be where you are and still, and, that, and that's okay, you know? And when you 
get to a place where you can understand how to hold that, then you can bring them in. But to Jen's point, understanding understanding the system is fundamental mm-hmm. if you're going to bring people through any transformation, frankly. Because what are we living in? We're living in a system, right? We're living in a society. We're living in a country. It's imperative that we understand the context in which we're living in. And I absolutely understand that right now the world's moving from 3D to 5D. I'm all about it. I love when I get to be in 5D and I come back as life. <laughs> and I understand that the, the paradigms, the systems, ETC, et cetera, are shifting. And where we are right now, still collectively, is here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful because we need to be here so we can clean this up, mm-hmm. clear it up. Everyone forgives and heals and, you know, bring us up the good stuff for the healing. And we get to embrace that. This is part of hashtag normalize the journey, what I like to say. So that collectively we can move to that place. Collectively, there can be more equity. Collectively, we can talk about things that actually match more people's experiences. We're a long way from that, but that's at least a potential. And I love, yeah, I I just love everything you just said about <laughs> understanding that your experience is never other people's experience. It's literally, it can't be, they're not you. <laughs> it cannot be not possible. Your experience can't be mine and mine can't be yours. And that's what makes this amazing is that there's so much learning for us to do shoulder to shoulder to use Jen's words to understand that we each contribute something unique mm-hmm. when we stand in who we are and we're not projecting it onto other people. We're letting, especially as a coach, letting our clients have, or any type of transformation, letting our clients have their experience be their truth and be able to meet them there, even if their lived experience is so different from the systemic level or based on the systemic oppression. Oh my gosh, I love how long we've been talking. I love you, Jen. <laughs> and I keep thinking, like, I want you to get to your program and talk about the program, and then we just keep talking. But get <laughs> to that. One thing that came up, though, while you were talking was, um, I have this brilliant, her name is Elijah Selby, and she talks about how when we're, how so many, you were talking about living in a system, and so many of the things that we function with as though they're normal is the water we're swimming in, and it's really hard to make sense of the water we're swimming in, which is why we, we need so much education, re-education, why it's so important to keep listening, keep leading in that way, keep coming from empathy first, um, incorporating new understanding, keep evolving. Like we're never going to arrive anywhere at all ever. And so it's that being willing to have someone else show us what's right in front of us that we can't see because we don't have that perspective. Yes. Yes. So well said. Yeah. And when we talk about decolonizing our mind, decolonization work is for all of us. Mm -hmm. Those of us who carry the internalized oppressed experience and those who carry the internalized oppressor experience and those of us who carry both. Yeah. There are a lot of us who carry both. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the unlearning for all of us, the unlearning of the, the unhelpful conditioning from the patriarchy down to racism. I mean, just literally all of it, all of it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's talk about your program. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's funny. I'm feeling called to talk about the one that I'm doing, which is not even why I had this discussion, but maybe I just want to say, cause I'm so, um, 
loving and honoring of this space. So I have a group program right now that's um, two thirds of the way through called Break the Spell. And it's literally about breaking down all of the internalized, the internalized things that you have that are holding you back, that have become your limiting beliefs, that have become your identity that makes it impossible for you to take the next step because it's that next steps out of your identity, all of that. Mm. And I'm so honored to hold this space because it is such a mixed group of women. Um, And I actually realized, I think two weeks ago on our call, that every woman represents a demographic that's like overlooked in some way. Mm. So it's like, a woman who's a retiree. There, we have an Asian queer woman. We have a black woman. We have a woman who's a mother of a child with autism. We have like literally, there's a single mom. There's just literally every single person represents in some way some some something that is overlooked, I think is the word, in the system or just that people just don't get or it's just not part of the majority experience. And I think it's what leads to being able to have such fruitful discussions around what's happened with this movement, this civil rights revolution of 2020, because when we have that experience, which is why I said, like, how cool it is to remember the times you've been ostracized, because it's it's not the same at all, but it's at least the idea of that experience. Because when you're ostracized, you're like, I just wish someone would listen. (laughs) But anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's truly an honor to hold that type of mixed space. Um, Now I see why I was thinking to, why I was called to share that because the program, the new program, yes, that's the title. (laughs) These coaches teach you to have the flashy hot titles with the alliteration. Nope. This is called the new program. We're keeping it. We're getting to the root here. (laughs) Roots in the system. Um, The new program is a six month leadership coaching and healing circle with a strong emphasis on embodied healing and embodied leadership exclusively for black women or women of the African diaspora. And it is an international. And so this program is an opportunity for women to be in circle with each other who share this, who are very unique as we all are, but share this one piece of their identity upon which we are discriminated for (laughs) a lot in the world and to embrace the ancestral practices of learning in community with each other. And also of course, having integrated the Western practices of coaching and learning that we all know so well. So it's a really strong focus on being able to learn from each other in community, being able to reclaim your voice, being able to reclaim your body, I have so many of the black women I work with tell me that they feel like their body is a liability and being able to reclaim who they uniquely are and express that into the world so that they can lead the communities, their communities that they are called to lead. And so often there's this, they call it like the white savior complex (laughs) and there's this opportunity. And I, I was actually called to create this program way back in October. And I just remember being like, Oh, Um, but now I get why I was called to create it because it's for now. So there's this opportunity for, for black women to come together and learn from each other in order to empower their own communities, not feel like they have to rely on the, the savior, the whomever. And so there are two parts that I want to share about this. Actually, the last thing I want to say about this program is that there are also six different guest experts coming in each month for the topic, all also black women 
who are talking about everything from sex and reclamation of voice to angelic um, ancestor, ancestral healing, angelic healing, what people call, quote, woo, which P.S., a lot of the spirituality that's new age actually stems from African <laughs> roots and Indian too. But a lot of this is our, our ancestral wisdom. So people coming in to talk about that and everything from that to visibility and marketing and how you show up for your business as a leader. Um, not everyone who's in it is in a business or started a business, but they're all in it because they feel called to leadership in a greater way. And they know that their, their voice, accessing their voice, amplifying their melanated voice is a big part of doing that. And so this is to share two pieces. One is that Jen and I spoke earlier about the opportunity for partnership and partnership through sponsoring a part of the program. So you can sponsor a woman who is participating and or sponsor a, a facilitator, a paid facilitator who's coming in as an expert guest. And um, so that's one piece. The other piece is that, hello, sisters, my Black women who are listening are like, that sounds dope. I've never been in a space for Black women that's leadership, coaching, and healing. I know. <laughs> so here we are. If you're interested in that, I think Jen has the links for the program page. But I want to talk more to the sponsorship as well. Not more. But I want to speak additionally to the sponsorship because Jen has talked about wanting to create sponsorship from the Ra Ra Collective. So I'll let you speak to that, Jen. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, mean, I think you kind of said it, but I would love for the Ra Ra Collective to pull resources and sponsor um, a woman into your program. And so there are different sponsorship levels, but I think, you know, the easiest way to facilitate this is just to have, I, I'll share Lisa's link to her, her sponsorship link, which goes directly to her PayPal um, or Venmo. I'll share both. And then in the notes, if you can just write, um, you know, the Rah Rah Collective so that she knows where the funds are coming from. Um, I, I would, I think easily the Rah Rah Collective could raise, you know, a thousand or 2000 or $3,000. And so I think it's a really good opportunity for all of us to put some money where our mouth is, right. And, and do, do a little bit of financial lifting in order to sponsor someone into your program. And I, I, I'm excited to see what happens. Like I want all the Rah Rahs to come together and just like fund, fund stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm, it's cool because there are, I have had a sponsor who's like, I'm just going to sponsor a woman that's giving money. Um, and there's also been another sponsorship where just like this, people came together and I love this so dearly because this is literally the point of not only this program, but Amplified Melody Voices about Black Lives Matter. It's literally about people coming together in community. And so seeing when people do that to literally uplift is, I mean, it's just the embodiment why this movement's even existing to begin with. So yeah, you can, I, you can, I think you can actually just also use the, the PayPal link if it's on here. Yeah. On the top. Um, but if you do want to see details, there are, there are details about not only what the program looks like, but also what the benefits are, because this isn't a donation. It's not 501c3. It's not tax deductible. It is a sponsorship. Just like you go to a corporate event and you see logos and you see brands. It is just like that. I have a 
significantly <laughs> expanding platform right now as everything is going on. Um, so my current reach is between 10 and 15,000 on online channels across languages across the world. And so depending on your level of sponsorship, and if you're looking, if you're like listening and going, oh my gosh, here's a chance for me to align my own brand. Awesome. It is a chance for you to have brand association that demonstrates you're a forward thinking thought leader in the personal development industry or not even in the personal development industry, just in the world that understands the leadership that we need going forward is leadership that also understands the experience of being oppressed and can speak to that mm-hmm. because they know it and and comes from truly being empowered from that place, not because they were saved, but because they were empowered. And so if you're also thinking like, yes, I want to go through the rah-rah, but I also want to do my own thing. That's cool too. Absolutely. The sponsorship levels are uh, bronze is a thousand. So that is covering the cost of a facilitator coming in because they're probably going to come in twice. The silver level is 3,000. That is the cost of one woman's entry into the program. And then gold level is 5,000 and 5,000 is a to sponsor a woman having a VIP experience, meaning that not only is she in the basic program, but she's also getting one-on-one time with me. And the focus in terms of the one-on-one time with me is very much two kind of ends, either needing some deeper like trauma healing space and or the other end that I've seen so far is like, okay, they are ready and they're about to blow up and they need extra space held for them because they're going for it. And the women in this program so far are, again, international, amazing that just different industries, different, um, different focuses, different passions. And it's, it's this type of unique leadership that Jen and I always talk about back and forth that is what we need. We need leadership, not just in coaching, not just in healthcare, not just in education, right? We need it everywhere to see this greater shift that we all want to experience. We want our kids to experience that it has to happen in all these different places. So your investment in the sponsorship, either through Rara or on your own, or if you go to your company, any of that, this is an investment in the future, in leaders of the future and of the present. But in terms of the the new paradigm leadership that Jen and I always are talking about, it is this, it is this. But please speak to anything I, I missed or anything that you just feel called to say. Trust me. Well, I wanted to say how you lit up and how it felt so, um, I feel like as soon as you started talking about the women in your program, and I could see like around you all of the, the energy. And so I love how proud you are of the women that you're serving. I know that feeling. I feel the same way about the women in my programs. Oh my God, you're so amazing. And I love you. And I can't wait to see you succeed. And so it's it's awesome. So in the Raw Raw Collective, there are links under this video to the program information. There are links to the sponsorship page so you can understand the levels and how they work. There's a link to Lisa's um, Venmo and PayPal. So you have opportunities to learn more, to donate there. And then I think we might have one watch party happening as well. So I think Lucia is hosting a little watch party. Oh, nice. Hey, Lou. (laughs) Cool. So um, 
if you're able to grab the links and also share them under your watch party um, in the comments, that would be super helpful too. I think as many eyes as we can get on this to help fund this program, that would just be amazing. And also just, I just want to recognize you again, Lisa, just for all of the work that you've been doing to educate people, to call people in, to be real, to show up in all your shirt colors. <laughs> in your library of shirt colors. It's my first time in white. <laughs> well, this is a thank you. Today. Um, just to just to do what you do and, and be you. And um, I appreciate you and your work in the world so much. Mm, thank you so much, Dan. That is a mutual, mutual appreciation, truly. Truly. Yeah. It's rare that I connect so quickly with someone and we just like understand how we're co-facilitating when we do. It's amazing. Um, I also wanted to make sure I said in terms of the Rara collective sponsorship, what I'll do is that at the end of, I think probably like every 48 hours is realistic. I can send you Jen an update on this is where we are. This is where Rara is right now. Um, so we can, so that everyone can know <laughs> where, where everyone is. And the program is starting the first week of July. So what is that? The last week of June. Um, so that's when we'll be going until, until enrollment closes. Yeah. Um, I'm so excited. Thank you, Jen, so much for, for bringing me on here. I love Rara. I don't, I don't post in here enough. Or maybe I do. I don't know. <laughs> There's like the, the other thing about like, do I take up too much space? Am I, am I good? This is like, the woman's experience, the woman leader's experience. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom top and all around my heart. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you haven't yet joined us in the Ra Ra Collective Facebook group, do it now. It's so much fun. It's so informative. It's all about cheering you on in business and in life. The links are in the show notes and we can't wait to have you.